Well, everybody comes in wanting food. <laughs> and I think it's because that's what people just know about in terms of franchises. And so oftentimes they have this fantasy that they're going to own some fantastic restaurant concept. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Jane. Jane, thank you so much for being here with us today. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Sorry for my voice. <laughs> Don't ever apologize. You sound lovely and you look fabulous for those who can't even see you anyway. Thank so you. give us the highlight of who you are and what you love to do for business. Okay, cool. Um, well, let's see. So I in a previous life had the big career and was with a major Wall Street firm, managed 350 million in assets, high net worth families. It was one of those situations, I don't know if you've had this experience, but I'm sure many of your listeners have, where I was super good at it and I was miserable. So you don't always love what you're good at. That, you know, that was the moral of that, but I did it for 25 years. And, you know, it was a wonderful career, built a solid uh, financial base for myself so that when 9-11 happened and I had my spiritual <laughs> breakdown, basically, and said, oh, I don't want to live here. I don't want to work this way. I want to raise my kids in some place that has clean air and four seasons and small town and good public schools and literally we just packed up our family and moved to Boulder, Colorado. We'll cut to 10 years later. My, you know, I had already done the being in the classroom thing. My kids were little when we moved, they were six and nine. So I was like in the classroom. I have a son with pretty profound learning differences. So I was super involved. And then, you know, after they're in middle school, you just are sitting around. I mean, they don't want you around. <laughs> and so when my oldest was going to college, I was like, oh, I am bored out of my mind. And I have been doing some pretty heavy duty volunteer work. I mean, I volunteered in the DA's office. It was very meaningful, engaging volunteer work. But I'll be honest, I, I miss making money. And that's embarrassing to say, right? I'm sure you didn't think- Are you kidding? I love making money. Money is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love hanging around people who love making money. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, I don't know if this is long story, what you wanted to hear, but yeah, you're doing awesome. Carry on. So I, I thought I'd buy a franchise because this is my understanding at that time. I was like, I have the capital. I will buy the franchise and they will run it for me. And I'll sit back and be able to say I'm a business owner. That's literally what I thought it was. And so I start clicking around on the internet and I immediately become sort of inundated with cold calls from franchise brokers because when you click on a site that you think is xyz franchise tell me more send me more thinking i would just get a nice packet in the mail no and you know the sales people are out and so my phone was lighting up and a lot of these guys were not very good and i don't know the light bulb went out went on let <laughs> went out and went on and said <laughs> uh you know my God, you could differentiate, right? I did telephone sales for almost 30 years. I know how to B2B 
be a presence on a phone call. I know how to be natural and authentic on a telephone call, which is pretty much what I think, you know, is, is you should do. And um, <laughs> anyway, that's how I got into the business. So I love what I do. It's honestly a love of, uh, it's a passion for me. It's not, it's not a paycheck. So that's the long and short. I do love to do other things, um, but honestly, I don't have as many hobbies as I should. That's my goal. That was my goal for 23, find some new hobbies. So, you know, I love to hike. Um, I've lately been sort of the workout queen, but honestly, work is my passion and that's what, you know, energizes me. I love it. So who would you say you work with most now? Um much as I would like to work with women in reinvention, I branded my whole company around it, spent a fortune creating videos and working with business consultants that, you know, I said, here's my target market. I want to work it with women who are just like me. They're burned out. They want to have more flexibility. Maybe they want to spend more time with their kids, you know, C-suite women. Long and short, uh, long and short is I would say 75, 80% of my clients are men. men. <laughs> um, they tend to be uh, two categories. Men who have, are, are what I call forced entrepreneurs. They've been laid off. They're 50 something or 60 something they cannot get back into the workforce at their level of pay um and they're and they're just done and they you know are bridging the gap between where they are now and where they need to be to in order to retire so that's category one that applies to women too and category two but they're always you know wanting to do something for themselves they have always had somewhat of a fantasy, at least in the back of their mind that they'd like to own their own business. And the other category is the uh, wealthy semi-absentee guys who have, you know, uh, very high net worth and they're, you know, wanting to build a portfolio of businesses. So those are kind of the two categories of clients. Three. <laughs> nice. Well, and I, I particularly love that. I always heard growing up that people of a certain age, you know, can't get laid off because then they can't find anything else. And as I was working um, or experiencing life as it was, I found that people of that age, they shouldn't be hired back because it's, it's a waste of their skills and utilities and, and their potential is so much higher that I just really want to encourage all of them to go, go run your own business, go do this, go get out, go and share your knowledge, because it's not that you don't have knowledge. It's not that you're not hireable anymore. It's that you're, you, you deserve better than this. Like, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, wait, like as, as a 20 something year old, I'm going like, wake up. Why don't you see that you have everything that I want and have none of right now? And they're looking at me going, oh, if I had my youth and my energy back, <laughs> I'm like, like, great, give it to me. What do I need to do? Where do I need to be? Because I had so many questions and no answers. And they seem to have so many answers to things I couldn't even fathom about what to question yet. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's mostly that, that one thing and that's fear, right? Absolutely. Not everybody has the chutzpah girl to get out there. and go, <laughs> I'm going to just build this consulting practice and make it happen. And, and even the people that buy franchises, which is easier, but by no means easy, 
right? Mm-hmm. It's it's chutzpah. Uh, you're going to be putting money on the line. You're at this age, can't really afford to make a mistake at this point, you know. Right. Well, and it is completely different running a business, even if you've run a multi-billion dollar corporation before, because it's not your money. It's not your staff. It's not your, the everything that goes along with being an entrepreneur is, um, because a lot of the executive coaching I did for years was specifically with franchise owners to, to help them to understand the difference between (laughs) being an employee, a C-suite employee and a really good one and being an entrepreneur and kind of having to figure out how to go it alone because the rules of the game are totally different. 100%. I, I want to hear more about what you did. That's so interesting. <laughs> but this is all about you. We are talking okay. about you. Good try. Maybe next time. Okay. Um, so yeah, when you're working with somebody, what kind of things are you looking at as far as kind of where where they're at and where they need to go? Do they need to have anything in place before they come and meet you? Or are they like, hey, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. <laughs> Help. Yeah. Sometimes um, I actually prefer the latter um, because I'd rather them come to the table with no idea of what specific business they're interested in. And, And the reason is I want them to start focusing on the attributes of the business model that would fit into their goals, lifestyle, objectives, uh, financial wherewithal, transferable skill sets, you know, instead of coming to me with, hey, I want to buy a, you know, crumble or whatever. And sometimes they do come that way. And I always say, tell me why, (laughs) what is it about that? And with a little bit of digging, uh, you know, generally speaking, we will then broaden it up to, hey, you know, I work with over 800 brands or I have over 800 brands data you know, and at my disposal in terms of franchise disclosure documents and all of that. Um, so let's just broaden the scope. Let's not just look at one for, for nothing else other than your knowledge. Let's take a look at a few. So um, the answer is they they need a little bit of capital, not a lot. You know, in order to get funded, um, you're going to need some liquid capital. I would say the more the better, but Closer to 100,000 is, is a likely reasonable amount of liquid capital. You're not going to be investing all that if you're borrowing, but you just, that's what banks kind of want to see. Um, and then in a series of conversations and actually some business assessing tools that I have at my disposal, a psychometric assessment tool. You've probably seen a million of these. There's several that are unique to franchising and I subscribe to one of them. And then just just conversations. We basically begin to build a profile of what that perfect business might look like. Not that we're ever going to find the perfect business, but we want a business that will hit on as many burners as possible. Nice. So talk to me about some of the attribute mismatches that you've seen where people are like, wow, I didn't think of that. Um, Well, everybody comes in wanting food. (laughs) And I think it's because that's what people just know about in terms of franchises. And so oftentimes they have this fantasy that they're going to own some fantastic restaurant concept 
or bar, and they'll get to be host or hostess. And it's just going to mint money the minute they open the doors, like a Chick-fil-A. And um, what they really don't have any um, concept of is, first of all, right now, how difficult that labor pool is. Um, it, it is the most complicated of businesses to run. There's food spoilage. There's the labor problems. There's just a myriad of complications. And my advice is always, unless you've actually owned a restaurant before or literally ran one for a long period of time, let's shelf that for now. And let me show you about a million other easy ways <laughs> easier ways, I should say, nothing's easy, to make money. Mm -hmm. There are so many easier businesses out there to run and make money besides food. <laughs> well, my friends and I have an expression, friends don't let friends buy restaurants or floral shops. <laughs> I love it. I, can I steal it? Can I you say can it? You, You're part of our group now, so you can absolutely say it as uh, often as you want. <laughs> I, I'm using that. I'm using that today. Right? Oh my God, yeah. So what are some of the most um, kind of different or you know, might say bizarre, but things in our franchises that people don't think of as being franchised? Oh, I should have prepped for this because that's a ah, sorry. question, but it's okay. Um, so whenever I ask people on my surveys, mm -hmm. would you be okay with something like super unique that maybe you've never even heard of that this is a business? And a lot of times people are like, yeah, I'd be up for that. So my first answer is, well, how do you feel about crime cleanup? <laughs> and, what I awesome. should, and what I should say is I should hold that back. This is true good selling, right? <laughs> what I should do is hold that back and start out with, how would you feel about a business with 55% margins? Your employees are eager, mostly EMTs, who, by the way, have just a huge amount of time on their hands because they're only allowed to work something like the equivalent of 11 days a month or some some ridiculous figure. So you could have work with the EMTs. This always appeals to women. And your margins are huge. And you maybe only have two jobs a month. And you might have to travel a little bit for those jobs. But the average job might be 50 $40,000, They're like, yeah. I'm like, it's crime cleanup. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, hilarious. Uh, but um, so anyway, that's one. Um, that and reminds me of when I was in dental assisting many lifetimes ago. I uh, I was super bored with dental assisting. It's like, oh, I this is not my career. <laughs> and so instead of buying fri franchises, I went to school for things and ah. tried to figure out what I wanted to be. Um, realizing dental assisting wasn't one of them, but I thought um, fr um, forensic dentistry was awesome. Thought it was fascinating. And then we took a tour of the university and I found out about maxillofacial surgery. And the tour went on without me. And I was in a one hour spontaneous meeting with this dentist who apparently was world renowned. <laughs> he just sat there and talked to me for like an hour. It's awesome. Unfortunately, I didn't become a dentist, but uh, I think there's so many fascinating occupations that people just don't realize are a thing. So I think it's fantastic. You have, we say 500 of them right. and, uh, and, and 
to take into account that somebody's experience on on what they bring to the table that a business isn't just always business like yes there's only three pillars of business you got to market you got to sell and you got to fulfill great now that's <laughs> like and it, and then it gets more complex from there yeah like what kind of people do you enjoy, uh, enjoy engaging with um both on the client side and on the employee side mm -hmm. and um you know, do you really feel like you could handle a business? We were just talking about restaurants. Really? Do you want 75 part-time minimum wage employees? Same with senior care. Really? Because a good senior care business, you're going to have 85 to 100 part-time employees who don't have cars, a lot of them. So, I mean, is this the kind of business that you, so, um, you know, not senior care, my God, God love them. They make good money. Um, once they can get past the competition, I do worry about all the senior care businesses now and where at what point are we at saturation but anyway it's a good business you just you just need to have a lot of uh, you know ability to deal with that kind of a that kind of a client pool uh and labor pool right well and longevity I, I would think is pretty apt in there um some of them that started early you know may have their run which is great and then you know they may be leaving which leaves an opening for people to get into it now. But you yeah. got a good point. As soon as all the baby boomers are done booming again, uh, then what do they do with those facilities? Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of competition in the space. So you just have to really be able to execute at a very high level. Uh, and those kind of businesses don't cash flow quickly. Um, mm -hmm. I have a friend who got into the business and it took him nine months to get his first client. Meanwhile, he's paying the nurse, you know, who's his one employee. Um, it just takes a while to scale that, uh, that kind of a business. And that's a conversation, you know, that I have very honestly and openly with everybody. You know, mm -hmm. how long can you go without any money? Because it's a very different kind of a business. If you need to make money in 90 days and 120 days, um, that isn't going to be, first of all, it's not going to be brick and mortar at all. Yeah. And it's going to be something that has a high ticket, you know, and a lot of marketing where you throw in your money into digital advertising and your phone rings or the call service at corporate rings and your appointments are booked on your iPad and you're showing up and booking the jobs and the jobs are quick and, you know, you make $7,000. I mean, so, you know, initially when, when people think about a business, I don't think they're thinking all that through. So because of my background, I have a very long conversation about that. And, you know, what are you, what can you withstand financially in terms of your, your runway? And if there's a dual income in the family, great, much less pressure. But if there isn't, and you don't have 300,000 set aside, which is your living expenses for the next three years or two years, then we need to look at things that ramp quickly. And those may not be your picture of the perfect business you had in mind. You know, it's going to be painting or it's going to be, uh, you know, kitchen remodeling or whatever, but it's going to be big ticket items that happen quickly through digital advertising. And then guess what? Your first business doesn't have to be the ultimate business, but it will get the job done. And, you know, people like to buy franchises that are cash flowing. So you build it, you sell it and you move on. I mean, that's that's an effective, uh, you know, wealth building strategy. Build a franchise. There's a lot of franchises you can get started for under one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Service based, home based. Build it to a million in revenue. Flip it for five hundred thousand or whatever. 
400,000. Do it again, do it again, do it again. Or put managers in and now you open a second secondary business that maybe your client base is the same and you can sell them additional services. You know, that a lot of the home service brands are actually encouraging their franchisees to do that. Neighborly does a good job of that. You know, own the, own the, own the home. Mm-hmm. Um, and now there's some B2B businesses that are getting in the space of own the business go in with janitorial and then add on this and add on that and add on that. I think it's a great way to scale and, and build an empire. I love it. And I had 10,000 questions running through my head, but thinking about the tech that might be involved in, you know, starting a business, like you said, to get involved in one. And I'm thinking that people that are, you know, in the 55 and up range are, thinking I just want to get out of the tech and, you know, I'd be happy to paint, but then who's going to do the sales? And it's probably going to be you doing the sales. So you got to be able to make the phone calls and do the thing, especially if it's an industry that you're not really familiar with. I think that that leveling up curve could be rather challenging, no? Well, that's the beauty of franchising. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're CertiPro. You Mm -hmm. are absolutely not interested in painters buying your franchise who you want are business guys that were project managers or you know that kind of a background who know what needs to happen and can manage all the moving parts so typically in that kind of a business your techs are contract labor Um, and so you have your a team your b team your c team so you go out and find those guys first the marketing piece, if it's a good franchise, franchise takes care of all that for you. The phone should ring the minute you're open. Um, and yeah, the sales piece is tricky because in a service business, somebody has to go into the home, meet the homeowner and it's women and sell the job. And initially they do want it to be the owner. If for no other reason, they want you to be able to train your sales guys down the road. So you're going to be in that field position for six months, maybe a year before you begin to hire sales reps to do that. And that's true, whether it's flooring, painting, kitchen remodeling, all of that. So yeah, they, they um, you know, the cool thing about franchising is they don't want people with that background at all because otherwise they feel like they have to unteach you all your bad habits they want you to learn their way um Mm -hmm. and what has been successful for them so so previous experience could be a plus and a (laughs) and a minus you just got to figure out which one's going on which one Unless it were, for example, selling managed services in the IT space, then it's definitely helpful if you have an IT background, for sure. Um, But with these trades things that we're talking about, they don't want tradespeople. They want executives. And that's who does best. Awesome. So attributes, lifestyle. Are there any other points that people should be considering when they're looking at franchises? Yeah, I mean, I'd be thinking about, so when I say lifestyle, I mean, how much money do you ultimately really need to make? Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's going to be a very different business if if that answer is $500,000 than 
$150,000. It makes my job a little more challenging, but it gives me direction. So, so I, that's the piece of it, but also like, do you, are you a morning person? Do you want a business that you need to be there, you know, at eight, or would you rather have a business that's more of a, you know, show up at 11 o'clock situation? Um, and secondly, the whole nights and weekends, if that's mm -hmm. off the table, we've just eliminated a whole giant bunch of opportunities. So I just need to know all of that, you know, and um, let's see, what other kinds of things do we talk about? Um, yeah, so lifestyle, your financial wherewithal, and really, what do you like to do? And, mm -hmm. and what do you really not like to do? If I have a guy who is a major introvert and I need to find a business that is not B2B because mm -hmm. he's not going to be, he or she, not going to be a networker. They're not going to join chambers and get involved. Um, and so I need to find a business that is what I call marketing driven, where the mm -hmm. phone's going to ring because you just put your $20,000 for your pre-opening uh, digital ad campaign and you keep pumping in your five to 10,000 a month, but the people will come. Um, and your role is more back of the scenes, managing the people and the processes and whatever. Um, so what is really in your comfort zone? What is your strength? Um, you know, part of what I do on my assessment, and this is, I think, interesting, people don't think about the stage of growth in a franchise and corporate culture in a franchise. Um I'm going to be on another podcast that I just found out that the guy who does it was a franchise with a, with a brand that I know super well for years and then got out. Like he didn't, he didn't renew his contract. Not only did he not renew his contract, he got out before the contract was up because there was just so much clash um, huh. with the, with the leadership team, because he thought it was going to be one big happy family. And it was, but guess what? Private equity came in. Now mm -hmm. it's a giant corporation. So, I mean, all those kinds of things, not that I can predict who private equity is going <laughs> to scoop up next, but if I can see from your profile, Michelle, that you are going to want to have a seat at the table, you're going to want to have input. You're not going to like a brand that's their way or the highway because you test as a little bit of a rebel. Me? Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. Is that obvious? It could happen that way. Um, then, you know, then I'm going to want to show maybe a brand that has that culture that's a little newer, where it's not their way or the highway yet, that they're very interested. They've got advisory councils. They want to hear their, they want to hear from you. They're implementing what the franchisees encourage them to implement and that kind of a brand. So, so that whole corporate culture piece and size of the brand, um, you know, people assume they want a very established brand because they perceive that as lower risk because mm -hmm. there's brand awareness, but they don't think about the fact that what it also means is, may I swear? <laughs> uh, warning, warning. Yes, you may. <laughs> you're going to get shitty territory because the good ones are all gone and they're going to try and sell you on that shitty territory so hard. And mm -hmm. um and there's just not 
many opportunities for expansion because what's left is a teeny tiny little two mile radius in some weirdo part of town. So um, if your goal is to scale and grow a very large business, we need opportunity, we need territory availability, and we need contiguous territory availability so you can add on. Right. Nice. I love that. So I get at this point, what is your favorite part of your business? Oh, the problem solving. Nice. The putting all the pieces of the puzzle together, the two weeks that I spend after I've done our one hour Zoom and I've poured over their assessments and I've made my little cheat sheet of what I feel are the most important things for this person. And now I'm researching what's out there because guess what? I am not one of those financial, uh, you know, franchise consultants that shows the same 20 brands over and over, which is a dirty little secret in our business. Most people are. Every time I have a new client, I will spend 12 hours of research of what's out there, what's available. And it's a likely a brand I've never heard of or have not shown. I've heard of it, but just never had the right person for it. So now I got to reach out to the development team. I have to learn what the business model is. I have to pour through the disclosure documents. And then I get to decide which of those, you know, because I may do territory checks on, and brands don't like to hear this, but 30 or 50 sometimes franchises. And now I'm narrowing, narrowing, narrowing based on something I heard from the rep about how the owner will drive business or what the owner looks like or who their most successful owners look like. Or I've reviewed the disclosure documents and there's something quirky that I just don't like, whatever. And I'm just narrowing, 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 narrowing. And then I get to present the six or eight options that I think are fantastic and have the person say oh my god you nailed it i'm so excited honestly it's not the attaboy although that's nice it's just the research piece and trying to put all of these pieces of the puzzle together in what i hope will be the right opportunity for that particular person nice i love that so give us an example of a cinderella story of one of your clients maybe well, not rags to riches kind of cinderella but you know lost and deserted to found in the clouds part of the angels saying and they're super happy with what would happen i'll tell you the story of the first deal i ever did i didn't know what i was doing i had been in the business all of four months and back then i was um i was let's face it i was cold calling <laughs> and i was kind of Cold calling this woman over and over. I don't remember why. I think I I had reason to believe she was interested in something and I was leaving mess lovely messages. I don't, you know. So I'm like, hey, just wondering if you had any interest in chatting about it, blah, blah, blah. She calls me back after about the fourth message. We have a conversation. She is in a kind of a bad situation. She is going through a divorce. She has X amount of dollars to her name. She was in the hospitality space catering, but she had a daughter and she was just working obscene hours for kind of a menial mm -hmm. salary in it for a catering company in a big, like a hotel, I think. I don't even remember a big 
a, a big job for, mm-hmm. for, for that business. And so I'm putting together all the pieces of the puzzle and blah, blah, blah. And what I end up presenting is, um, well, I'll just tell you the name of the company was, and it is uh, Patrice and Associates, which is actually in the business of setting you up, you being the franchisee, as a recruiting partner to large hotels and restaurants to do their recruiting for their management level positions and above. You don't have any employees, you work from home, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, long and short of it, she did a deal while she was still at training. She called me two months, three months in and said, I want to talk to you about something. And I said, oh, okay. (laughs) And she said, "Um, I want you to know that you should never feel you're hounding people. I consider you to be an angel who came to me at the right time so that I could take control of my life and my future. And I will forever be grateful for what you did for me. And I I was like weeping. It was amazing. So that was a cool one. I haven't talked to her since COVID. She may not be so grateful now, but... (laughs) Well, I, and my understanding is there's a ton of them that have been super successful. So it's, it's kind of a, I think there's just been a lot of shit thing going on. It's yeah. really what's going on. That was awesome. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having right now listening to this going, oh my God, Jane, I need you so badly. Um, well, stumbling blocks. Like, tell me more. What- like, so maybe they got their buyout. Maybe they're trying to figure out what they want to be when they grow up. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I haven't quite figured that out yet. Thinking that, hey, I'm I got these skills. I don't know if they're transferable. I don't like they're humming and hawing. What are like what's going on in their head that they're like you are the, the answer that they've been looking for? Well, it may not be. I guess what I would say is, look, the the process of due diligence and researching franchise opportunities is super interesting. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> it's super interesting for you. It sucks for the rest of us. <laughs> That's so classic. We must have the opposite word of that. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, most of the time, I've had people tell me how fascinating they found the whole thing, even if they don't buy. And, and guess what? Seven or eight out of 10 of the people I work with don't buy. They decide it's not for them, but they've gotten to clarity that it's not nice. for them. So, because oftentimes they come to me super early in their thinking where they're not like, oh, I want to buy a business. Those guys do buy. But mm-hmm. the people that are super early, I come across on LinkedIn. Let's just face it, because I see that they've been laid off. And I say, hey, is this an opportunity? You know, is this a path you might consider happy to kind of just show you what's out there? And so we do work with a lot of people that are very early stage and they are just in fact, a lot of times people say, you know what, I've actually never thought about this, but you hit me up and hey, let's see what's out there. Uh-huh. Um, so so the long and short of it is you don't have to feel like you have to, A, know you want to do this. You are exploring. Don't try and feel like you have to make a decision quickly. The whole research process is a minimum of three months if, if it's done properly. Um and then it could be another year before you're even open, by the way. So, I mean, the, 
It is not a quick process. It's an interesting, you will learn a lot doing it the way I coach you through the process. You will find it interesting, I swear. And you will probably have fun as well. And you're just going to learn a lot. And it may be that at the end, you can put this issue to bed. This is not anything you would, you know, it's too much fees. I don't want to be told what to do. I don't like the 10-year contract. Great. Now you know. Nice. Love it. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start that journey with you? So they can, of course, hit me up on LinkedIn, Jane Stein. They can uh, Google your franchise is waiting, which is the name of my business. Um, Or they can just Google my name, franchise consultant should take you to my website. Um, I do, there's all kinds of free offerings on my website, free eBooks that I've created. Um, You can take that free assessment. You can also just go to the contact us page and set up a call with me. Really zero pressure. We have a 20 minute call. We talk about what's going on with you. You know, where are you in your life? Why are you thinking this is a possibility? Um, And then we go from there. I love it. Love it, love it. So we will have all of your links in the show notes, of course, as well as anything I find interesting <laughs> there too, to be able to give you the heads up peeps. But of course, if you're thinking about getting a franchise, take the assessment because uh, those are always great ways to discover what's what's going on internally and externally. Questions you never would have thought to ask yourself. <laughs> so Jane, I get to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you were especially kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Yeah. So, so this is, this is going to age me, but I got into this business when I was 58 and I was so excited about owning my own business and it just, and I, and I got rookie of the year at the firm affiliated with it, 58 years old. Um, It just, it just clicked. Everything clicked. So even when I was uh, a stockbroker, although we don't use that word, we say wealth manager and a vice president of investments. Um, I ran it my way. Honestly, I worked for a big company and, and we were constantly butting heads, especially after the Patriot Act, because I wanted to protect my clients. I was never going to show crap to my clients. No, I'm not selling your shitty branded mutual funds. Um, and I always managed my own little team. I always paid out of my own pocket to steal, I mean, or acquire the very best assistance. Um, and so I guess I always had that bent. My father owned his own business. I didn't really put it together, but I grew up watching him. And while I did have that so-called corporate job, I mean, please, it was straight commission. It was all my money that I put into it. So really it was my own little fiefdom. And, um, and then when I had this opportunity to do this, I was just so, so, so jazzed. And I still am. I still love that I own it and I built it and I have a team now and yeah, it's, it's all very exciting and very empowering. Nice. I love it. You got sass and brass and I love it. <laughs> so you have been absolutely awesome. Any last words for our peeps? Um, I guess I would say, cause I was, looking at a blog that I wrote a while back in preparation for this. And it was the five attributes that you must have uh, to be successful in business. And one of them was proactivity. 
you know, because if you own a business, I'm sure Michelle, you know this every day, there's 9 million decisions to be made. Maybe not in our little solopreneur corner of the world, but with, you know, if you have a lot of employees, hundred employees, every single day, you have to make fast decisions. They may not be right, but you have to make them. So proactivity, so, you know, you have to be able to make a decision. Um, and the most important thing, honestly, is grit. So, you know, if you're a person who has always had grit, um, one, you know, in your mind, if you're thinking, I can do this, um, that you will be successful if we can find the right business model. Um, somebody who is always blaming others and they're blaming the corporate and it's, you know, never my fault, you know, the sort of the victim thing, that's, that's just not the profile of who is going to be super successful in business. Absolutely. I love that. And yes, you may find yourself that way, but you know, go find yourself somebody that <laughs> head shrinks out of you. And uh, there are many, many opportunities for that. Trust me. But in the world of franchises, if you know what you're looking for and you want something that's fun, entertaining and right up your alley, talk to Jane. I love it. You have been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable your time is. Thank you so much, Michelle. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedlek. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.